Hello and welcome to the Midnight Film Review. My name is Brian Stevens and with me is... Hey, it's Aaron from Suburban Dad Pop. Aaron, it's great to have you back. Uh, we got a surprise episode that dropped on Friday. Uh, yeah. How did that fit into your schedule? Was it easy to watch? Uh, same kind of deal. I, I just watched it. T- this is Tuesday. I just watched it on Monday, especially given the Super Bowl. And uh, you, our listeners are probably sick of hearing about our kids, but, you know, at our age, you got kids stuff on the weekend, especially this weekend. Yes, Super Bowl. And it's just uh, right on schedule. So on Monday, I watched it. What about you? When did you tune in? I actually got to watch it Friday night. Uh, we had a busy weekend too. Um, lots of stuff on Saturday. And uh, like I said, Sunday, the Super Bowl, we had a few yeah. people come over. So it was, I, I was basically like, okay, either I watch it Friday or I watch it Monday, kind of like you. And, right. Um, my son and my wife went to bed kind of early, and I was like, I'm just gonna watch it now. And, um, I I watched. I didn't watch it a second time, but I did while I was waiting for you to come on. I watched a, yeah. a, li- a little bit here and there. So sure. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it was an exciting episode. I'm mm-hmm. super excited to talk to you about it and hear what your thoughts were. Um, Same here. Yeah. The internet kind of went gaga for it. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, people were super ec- ecstatic about it. So, um, let's, uh, let's kick it off with a little bit of a recap. So, Sure. We ended last episode with they found Wheeler and mm-hmm. we moved into um, I was assuming kicking off this episode that we were going to leave off kind of where we were at last episode. And uh-huh. one thing about this episode now, I'm going to preface this because we've dogged this this show a lot this year. We've had lots yeah. of issues with it. Um, I really enjoyed the way that the episode ended. Mm-hmm. And I will say that I super enjoyed the way uh, I'm going to say something about the beginning of this episode after I trash the beginning <laughs> of the episode. I was, I honestly, I was really confused. They didn't even address the, what happened here. Yes. At the end. Right. Um, what were your yeah. thoughts on that? Well, this, I, th- I think I just kind of uh, took the words out of your mouth about it. It's just, uh, Navarro's ear was not bleeding. Um, she was not beat up her, her, Pounding of the three hillbillies that seemingly, I think, took place maybe two and a half days prior to this on the show's timeline. Um, it doesn't even look like it happened. So uh, just the way it opened up, if they wouldn't have given us the uh, date, New Year's Eve. <laughs> right, yeah. I might have, and especially that her sister, she was picking up um, Julia's remains. I may have thought it was a week to ten days later. Yeah, same. same. Yeah. And it just was a weird time jump which i mean most shows uh i mean i would say that my, i expected them to pick off pick up pretty quickly after that mm-hmm. right um i understand why you jump ahead a little bit in the story right. because if you're being re- realistic you want him to detox you want things to kind of settle down from sure. the, the right you want things in the town to be a little bit like it makes sense like even yeah. from a realistic perspective but to not address what happened to Navarro in that scene um, at all, I just was completely baffled by. Um, yeah, so, but yeah. with all that being said, I will say that this episode started in a really, really, really cool place. Um, to me, having it start with, I and. You know, I have family members who have been cremated and I have Mm -hmm. seen, uh, obviously in movies, but the methodical way that this episode, um, uh, the methodical way that this episode goes about things. Yeah. Um, in that beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I never really seen the cremation performed that way and it was like just right very technical aspect of it you know like the 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 moving of the ashes the way that the fire and it like i don't know it got to me that was really emotional for some reason yeah yeah i can see that um it was definitely like a technical kind of thing you were there you were seen behind the curtain a little bit it kind of reminded me of, of better call saul 
Yes. The way they would do things, the yes. way they would put you in, uh, they would put you in the crematory. And I kind of felt like that. And I really appreciated that direction. Yeah. That's a good callback or a good call out. I, uh, yeah, I really thought that scene was really beautiful and, and just the, the interaction between Navarro and the, um, cremator. I don't know. Yeah. The funeral director, I think can do funeral that. I'm not sure. Maybe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just, I really appreciated, uh, appreciated that part of it. Um, yeah, absolutely. And then, so then we leave, we leave, uh, Navarro and we go and Danvers is at the lighthouse and she's checking on, um, uh, Otis, Otis Heist. And Uh he's detoxing. And so she starts, uh, you know, starts questioning him. And, mm-hmm. uh, I, my only, I just, I guess I just wish there was a little bit more, um, nuance to Otis's character here. Like we sure. just, we're viewing him in such a, like a, a junky way. Um, right. and and throughout this episode, he's abused in many different ways. Um, <laughs> to say the least, but she, you know, she's questioning about his injuries and what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, basically in, like, I'll take you, but you got to give me some more heroin. <laughs> yeah. You got to like, fix me up. You know, yeah. So instead her and Navarro go to the cave entrance and, mm-hmm. and they realize that it's on land that's owned by the silver sky land uh yeah company or by the silver sky company silver mining silver, silver mining. sky mining yeah. Yeah. yeah there you go and they can't get in and you know danvers is kind of like basically like okay let's take this back a second and we'll figure it out where navarro's like pissed and like you know yeah um, so the, the way they were interacting together and maybe we are late to the party and I, I kind of wanted to say something about it maybe at the beginning of this of the season. Do you think there's any possible history of a romantic entanglement between mm. the two? Uh, that's interesting. Yeah. I they mean, both I seem def- to ha- have like fluid gender identities. Right. Yes. Um, I definitely think there's a little bit hinted here and there. Right. Um, because. It's unfortunate. Like I just feel like this relationship wasn't explored as deeply as it could have been. Sure. Um, because and even if that's not the case, maybe they they maybe we will learn about that in the future. But it right. does seem like there is some kind of like affinity for each other. Affinity like, they, and tension. Yes, yes. And they it's like they like um oh crap. I always forget Damer's daughter's name, Leah. Leah, Leah Leah and Navarro have a relationship, right? Like they know right. each other and there's a, a familiarity there mm-hmm. that goes beyond um, just like I worked with your mom before. Like, right. so I definitely agree that there's something there that um, I don't know that it's, I don't know. I don't know that it's uh, completely like they were dating or they, you know, banged right. or whatever, but there was, there's definitely some kind of like affinity for each other there. Yeah. An affinity and a history. It seems like it's hinted at like, for instance, maybe it was in the first episode or the second episode um, where Danvers is helping Navarro put away the groceries and Navarro and Danvers says something along the lines of, did you change where you put the cans? Yes. So, right. So yeah, at the, at, at the, at the minimum, there is a history of just being friends, at least knowing each other well, being intimate close, in that sense. Close enough, right? Yeah, they're they're close enough that they would know, right? Yeah, it's kind of frustrating because, like I said, we only have six episodes, and I feel right. like this could have been mined a little bit more. Yeah, um, um, silver mind, silver mind. Yeah, um, great, great points. Um, we cut to everyone's favorite uh, <laughs> side story. Um, Peter and his wife, Kayla are <laughs> just, just kind of in a, in a tiff and mm-hmm. she asks him to leave the house and packs his bag for him. Yep. And uh, he asks dad, Hey, can I come stay with you? Mm-hmm. And you can kind of see um, Hank is like relishing this a little bit. Like, uh, right you know he's throughout he throughout this 
relationship, he's kind of been like, hey, don't let Danvers come between you and your family. Your family. Um, but at the same time, I think he's lo- he's lonely. And sure. He uh, he wants he wants any kind of like personal relationship with anyone at this point. Sure. It seems like especially and, after being catfished. Yeah, exactly. And especially it's his son. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. So I don't want to say that like there's like glee in his voice. It seems, but you could definitely tell the the character is leaning towards like some sort of like, okay, yeah, I'm kind of happy. Sure. Um. So all right. So then we get all this 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 set the stage set. And can I, can I add to that before yeah, uh, I think? So uh, I did a little uh, research, and uh, I think this is where you're going, or or maybe you're going a little bit further. But we've talked about in the past how the show. One thing we both enjoyed is how the show uses music. So that uh, Hank is playing an original song right there on his guitar. Oh yes, I almost skipped over that. Great call. He wrote that for um, for the film, and they are for the series, and they put it in. And I thought I had the name of it. No, I don't. But uh, evidently, uh, John Hawks is just as good of a musician as he is an actor. Because I was that was him, and that was an original work, and uh, they really put it right into the seamlessly transitioned it right into the show. I thought that was really, really great. Totally agree. It was a standout moment of the episode for me, honestly. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's got a little bit of Johnny cash in his voice. Exactly um, what I was going to say. Yeah. Just a really beautiful tone. And uh, yeah, I, that song, I was like, I didn't realize that I thought maybe it was a cover of something. I honestly didn't know it was original, but it was beautiful and it was perfect for this episode. You're right. Yeah. I shazammed it and I uh, Googled some lyrics and then I read it to save the day. So there nice. You go. All right. Um, thank you for, um, cause I would have, I totally was going to skip over that, but that's a great point. Um, yeah. so we skip, we skip to later in the day and mm-hmm. Navarro is driving by uh, the protests outside the mines. And we had seen moments before that, uh, Leah is there and she's got the black paint on her mouth and, um, yeah, that was protests. intense how she put it on her and her girlfriend. Yeah. Yes. Very intense. Um, Ready? There was like their war paint, right? And they were oh, ready yeah. to go. Um, Smart. That makes sense. And so um, Navarro pulls over and she sees um, someone basically beating uh, Leah. And mm-hmm. so she pulls her and takes her down to the station. Um, Danvers is, you know, obviously pissed about this. Right. And so she puts her in a cell and she's like, um, she's basically... I mean, I don't want to say she's disappointed because I feel like she kind of expects this and like this is part right. of who Leah is, but she's just, it's more of a, a lashing out of fear because, and she even mentions sure. like, I don't want her to get hurt. Like, I don't want, I don't know why she's doing this. She kind of says uh, something right. along the lines. Um, and it, she's like, basically like she's, she's vulnerable essentially yeah. is what she's, is what she's pointing out. And she's like putting her in jail to protect her, not to punish her. Yep. I, I agree with that. Um, and what I would like to add to that is, is we just mentioned that the relationship that Leah has with Navarro, I really thought it was kind of humorous. The, what the fuck are you doing here? <laughs> yeah. And then the same line, what the fuck are you doing here? That was really good. Uh, and you can tell that just plays on the fact that, you know, they had a relationship. Yes. Um, speaking of the relationship and Leah being in jail, I want to mention it here in case I forget it. Uh, when Leah eventually gets out of jail later, a few scenes later, Leah no longer to me looks like Annie. She starts to look oh. like Navarro. She's got her shirt off, like her, her button up shirt is off. She's like in a tank top and she just looks buff and ready to fight. She started to maybe look like Navarro a little bit more. That's, you know, cause she's getting tougher, I think. And, oh. um, when Annie, or excuse me, when Leah got into trouble the first time for the murderers, mm-hmm. she spray painted at the Silver Mine Company. Um, maybe she's not just. Maybe the writers are being clever, and she's not solely referring to the poisoning of the water. Oh, okay. She'd be referring to the corpse sickle as well. She doesn't know that, but it has an audience device. Right. Gotcha. Oh, I like that. That makes sense. Um, yeah. I would love to see Leah play a bigger role in the end of this. I don't know that yes. she will, but right. I would love that as well. Yeah. Um, because I don't feel like her character again is another character who hasn't been given uh, really enough to do. Very, very shallow kind of character. Just uh, a teenager 
rebelling with a cause, but still rebelling nonetheless. Uh, kind of tropey, but uh, she's a great actress, and uh, hopefully yeah. we do get some more from her character. Yeah, I don't think she's been given the best dialogue, to be honest. Um, right. Uh, she's I, she's definitely important to this story. That's why sure. I, I think, you know, we, I wish we would have seen more of her relationship with Navarro, more of her relationship with Peter, and instead of these little just brief glimpses. And sure. honestly, I wish we would have spent more time with that than Peter and his wife. But um, yeah. Let's see here and there. All right. Uh, so Peter right. Peter discovers vital information. Um, right. So mm-hmm. we find out that um, that the people bankrolling the solar research um, <laughs> yeah. is the Silver Sky Company, which is um, basically it's a subsidiary of Tuttle. Yes. Uh, sub- yes. They're they're the they're the but basically. And there's more information in this, but the idea here, and Danvers calls it out later on in the episode, is essentially um, Sala is supposed to be reporting also back on the pollution of the area, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. they're kind of like it's a it's a huge con- conflict of interest because the company right. that's supposed to be reporting on the mine um, is also being funded by the mine. Right. Stuff um, like that happens all the time. That's very believable part of the story, I think. A hundred percent. I mean, getting your own science, paying for your own science. Yes. Happens all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, So then Conley calls and summons Danvers to uh, the silver sky offices. And uh, (laughs) Kate is there. And basically she's just, you can tell she's like relishing this moment to full Scooby doo villain moment. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Just ready to just to bend a poor Danvers over the barrel. Right. Um, Shows with the the security view footage of her Navarro from earlier in the day at Mm -hmm. the mine. And, um, uh, but then she, then her and Conley both reveal that, Oh, they got back the information from Anchorage. And this was a freak slab avalanche. Um, Right. And, uh, she's like, okay. Basically, Danvers is like, this is not. I don't believe this. This is not yeah. true. Um, and an atmos- uh, atmospheric event. Yes, an atmospheric event, and then they explained away everything from them sitting off the coal, their clothes, and being trapped. Right. Like there's like concussions and uh, all these different things that they throw out there. Hypothermia. Yeah. Um, concussions and all that uh, the, the stuff, and um, that's when she like is like basically that's when she pulls out the like um the pollution numbers and right. she listen this i'm this close to solving any case yeah. case um and but Colin's like shut up stop um, yeah and then as kate leaves he drops a bombshell and basically is like i know that wheeler wasn't a murder suicide right and uh, so which we all knew that, right? I think we mm-hmm. assumed that we still, and uh, even at the end of this episode, uh, uh, we don't know who actually pulled the trigger, which is good. I think we, yes. as much crap as we've been giving them the show, this is a, a good little tease or hanger on kind of. I completely agree. Um, and this is one of those things where it's like, it's not necessary to, for us to even know if they left sure. us and we didn't know. I don't, it doesn't. Oh, that'd be um, fine. Yes. It'd be fine. Exactly. We then cut to, um, and I had mentioned this last week, and I, I mean, I think it was pretty obvious, but I, I mentioned like they didn't cast John Hawks in this show to have mm-hmm. him be this character if he didn't mean something to the plot of this, sure. of this show. Right. It just was just, I mean, the character was kind of like Jules character a little bit, like where it's like talented actor slash actress, whatever, but they're not, yeah. they're not given their full, this character is deeper than it is. That's why mm-hmm. I think that maybe she has a, a bigger role to play in the end. But anyways, right. Um, we find out that, um, Hank is working for Kate yes. and she asks him to take care of Otis. And mm-hmm. he's like, I'm not a killer. I, I'm not going to kill. I'm not. And she's like, I'm not, I've never asked you to kill anyone. That's not what I'm saying. But you know, basically yeah. like you can make him disappear. Like basically give him a bunch of drugs, drop him off the edge of town. Sure. Either big storm coming or, tonight. They've mentioned yeah, that a big, few times. Yep, yep. And they keep talking. About it. And basically, so it's basically like, okay, either he's going to die of an overdose or freeze to death, or he's going to just skip town, whatever. Right. Um, 
And so he agrees and they leave. Yeah. Um, what did you think about this? Was this what, like, I, I think it makes sense in the plot. I don't think it's surprising um, at all. Uh, and I think it was handled decently. Yeah, I, I think it, um, I don't disagree with any of that. I think I would have liked to seen a for a few more scenes with Kate. Um, instead of just going from the the uh, uppity ice rink owner slash, you know, CEO of the mine to uh, being a nefarious um, corporate person who's who I think uh, it was in the, in the undertone that she kind of pulled some strings and made the autopsy report be an atmospheric event. No, I'm not saying she killed the people outright, right. but right. She made it look the way she wanted, which is something else that happens all the time. People fudge yeah. all kinds of official documents all the time. Um, but I'm getting a little off track. I think I just would have liked to seen her. I thought I'd like to see a few more hints for this character instead of again, kind of like the big Scooby-Doo reveal with Hawks. Yeah. It wasn't horrible, but um, I could, I just would have liked to seen them paint that, that picture a little bit more. Yeah. And even if we had some, this is if Hank had a burner phone, if Hank was uh, texting with someone and we assumed it was maybe another catfish or a girl, but you know, right. like, just give us a little bit of catnip along the way to keep there us following go. this instead of just being like, well, this has been happening behind the scenes guys. Right. Um, here you go. Um, yeah. Just another one of those things where I feel like the show just rushes and in, mm-hmm. we spent so much time in the last previous episodes of just meandering through this story where it's like, no, that's a good point. There's plenty of places to edit and cut and stitch other yeah. great stories or arcs or uh, little things here and there that I just, it's, it's a little confusing to me. Sure. Um. So then we cut to, um, uh, essentially I can't really remember how, but Navarro f- is able to figure out that the swirly thing is mm-hmm. left by, uh, by hunters to let other hunters know the ice is thin and you can fall through. Um, this, and that, yeah, that was at the laundromat, the laundromat. Yes. Yes. That's Jesus, right. That's even, right. even the laundromats in Ennis are depressing, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. and this, I have someone who did laundry at laundromats for yeah. all during my twenties until I bought a house mm-hmm. when I was 29. No dispersion on anyone who has used a laundromat or has done so in the past. But man, oh man, that was a depressing laundromat. Um, but yeah, that's when uh, Kavik came in. Kavik must have taken the stone from her. She kind of thought she lost it. And then that was kind of confusing. And then like yeah. his hunter buddy said it was like uh, hobo drawings in the 20s. But, you know, it was for maps. Yeah. Saying the ice is thin right here. Um right. So that was kind of interesting. One thing I'd like to point out, I don't know if you noticed it, uh, Blair is the name of the character from um, the very first opening scene almost when Navarro uh, goes into the crab factory. Mm-hmm. And uh, Blair is uh, the woman who's helping the woman who got hit by the boyfriend. Blair is also one of the housekeepers at Salal. Oh. Yeah, so she's the, the any time Blair has shown up like three times and the camera just kind of lingers on her. She's yeah, been around. I, she she was in the laundromat right. and the camera lingered on her for a minute too. I didn't notice that. Yeah, I did. I didn't. A good call. I, I that one. Was, I that I for whatever reason that scene and it's probably I don't remember a lot from it. I mm-hmm. was really confused and discombobulated in that scene. Sure, like, who is this guy? What is going on? How do like what? Um, Kavik, yeah, it's, it's confusing because Kavik brought, I'm assuming, well, they all know each other in this town, but probably somebody from right. the bar who we wanted to get an opinion on the stone he took from Navarro when Navarro was concussed. Um, all kind of strange, but yes, anyway, for if anybody wants to watch it again, Blair is in the laundromat and she's listening to the conversation and the camera lingers on her. Great call out. Um, thank you for pointing that out because I totally missed that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> totally missed it. Um, so then, so Navarro then has an idea and she's like, okay, now we can go to where the ice is thin, break through and, um, and, you know, go right. in these caves from a different way. We don't sure. have to go through the main entrance. We can figure, find another way. And, um, like Mario, drop it into a pipe. Yeah, exactly. Right. And Danvers yeah. is like, 
listen, you need to chill out. We this is over. Right. You know, Conley Conley knows what's up, and um, I don't really, I didn't really understand this either. She says something along the lines of, because they get into this big argument, and she says something like, "You carry her now." I don't know what did she mean by that. You carry her now. Oh, you carry the emotional weight of uh, Annie's death and us not being able to close the case. You carry. So basically she's saying like, so again, we don't really know what happened. And I guess in that case, right. um, We know something happened, but we don't know. And so now you're saying that she's telling. uh, Navarro telling Danvers. This is now your emotional weight. Like I'm, I'm I'm absolved. Yeah. I'm absolved. I tried to carry this and they're going to close us out on this. So, so, it makes me think that she feels like, she, or that she, maybe she did do something that ca- kind of caused the case to stop or hurt the case in some way. Mm-hmm. Like that, that was what was confusing to me is like, so I don't know. I don't know. I, I get, I get what you're saying. It just was right. a little uh, confusing to me. Sure. Um, uh, and then, so Danvers tries to make amends with, with Leah. Um, mm-hmm. And then Leah basically reveals like, did you know there's been nine stars and, in the last couple months. Yeah. Oh, that's um, awful. And it seems like whatever is happening to the town is increasing rapidly, right? Exponentially. Sure. It's not just a, a, you know, a child every few months. Now it seems to be like almost every child is fighting to survive. Or, right. Um, and so. And probably, uh, well, no, never mind. Not, not probably. It's, it's nine indigenous stillbirths. Yes. Specifically. Right. Yes, we, we don't know if, if the if the white um, the white folks or people are at least not living on on the indigenous land are having the same problem. Yeah, right. So one thing I missed at the beginning, we should have mentioned uh, because it's going to come up here in a little bit <clears throat> or towards the end of the episode is uh, Navarro takes Julie's ashes with um, mm-hmm. Fiona Shaw's character out Rose. into the ice rose and they mm-hmm. um basically drill a little hole and dump her ashes into the ocean um and it's significant because at the end of the episode it's referenced and so right. i wanted to make sure i mentioned that um which was another really uh, touching scene and sure anytime we get more fiona shaw i'm all there for it so. yeah the one thing the only thing i can add to that is um when the ashes hit hit the frozen water it was like a black water all of a sudden and that just kind of mirrors the black water all the indigenous people are drinking and just kind of hits you over the head in a good way with you know the water is polluted exactly yeah yes that was a real nice touch yes beautiful yep and that is where Issa Lopez I think is really shined is absolutely a visual storytelling Mm -hmm. um and I you know I'll hammer it all day long visually and um set piece wise like I think this show has been on par with any other true detective season. Sure. Um, it's any other HBO with, prestige show almost. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's only within the storytelling itself has, I mm-hmm. think she struggled. So yeah. Um, it just makes you wonder what, what could have been. Mm-hmm. Um, so Hank then starts following Devers uh, or Danvers. Oh no, yeah. I said Devers. Who's Devers? <laughs> uh, Hank starts following Danvers yeah. around right. uh, to find out where Otis is staying because he's going to, you know, presumably take him to the middle of nowhere and drop him yeah. off. And um, the first place she goes though, is where the dead are being kept. Oh uh, my God. Until, uh, basically it's too cold to bury anybody. So they have to keep, the dead in the town uh-huh. and presumably in a normal year, you would probably only have a few, right? I mean, it's sure. a small town. You don't expect to have a mass amounts of people, you know, mm-hmm. if, even if, you know, uh, 2% of the population dies, it's less than right. what we have here. Right. Yeah. So, um, we have, you know, all these coffins and they're tiny because uh, they're holding the stillborn babies. And Mm. this just, um, is the final, I think this is for Danvers. This is the straw that broke camel's back. She's like, I can't do this. So she goes back to the station and she goes off on Peter because Uh she, she knows. And again, I love Danvers and Peter's relationship. I just Mm -hmm. absolutely love it. Right. Um, and she gives him a chiding as she would give Leah a chiding. Right. And she's like, you're a fucking idiot. Mm-hmm. Like Hank got in your laptop and like, she knows what happened. And yeah. essentially 
um, he wrote things in his laptop about um, the Walker case. Yes. Wheeler, excuse me. (laughs) The Wheeler case. Yes. Mm. And um, that's how Hank found out. And presumably Hank told Conley. Yep. I think that's, Um, there's no doubt about that. I, I think you, you connected all the dots. That's correct. And I think, again, this is a good touch because it shows that Hank is not as dumb as we portrayed yeah, him to be right. or the show's trying to be. Um, Peter isn't as smart um, yeah. as he has been. Or at least constantly. he's naive in thinking that somebody wouldn't break into right. his computer. Yep. I mean, that's, that's splitting that's splitting Adams right there with saying smart and, and naive. But uh, I think he's pretty darn smart, but he just was kind of naive in that point, that particular instance. Sure. Yeah. Um, and it shows that because I feel like uh, for Danvers, a lot of times she's been behind the eight ball, right? Mm-hmm. And she's not been, she's, she either she's been withholding or she hasn't put her full self into this. Right. And so um, that's kind of why I say that, like she's been the reluctant hero in a lot of this. Right? Sure. She doesn't want, want it, but she does want it. And yeah. so um, she wanted it until it became hard. And then she was like, nah, this is not worth it. And then she sees the, the tiny coffins and now yep. she's like, all right, nothing's going to stop this. Yeah. We're, we're, this is happening. Absolutely. Um, and so she realizes that getting to the ice, ice caves is number one. Mm-hmm. And so she goes to the evidence room, grabs some heroin, <laughs> heads on over to Otis, and uh, takes Otis home. Oh, that felt, that was some wire shit right there. Absolutely. Right? Like, McNutty, McNutty, baby. Yeah. Yes. That was, that was 100% uh, something you could see. Um, McNaughty doing right, yeah. and so and Bunk getting goes, pissed about, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, so, um, they go back to her house, to her apartment, and she gives him the drugs, a shit and, ton of heroin. Uh, yeah, that was the other thing too. Is like, I mean, the bag was like substantial. It was like, right. okay, this dude is going. He better not do all that because he's <laughs> yeah. right. He's gonna die. Yeah, and so uh, Otis. Shows her on a map where the best place is mm-hmm. to, to break the ice. Goes in the bathroom, uh, smokes it up, smokes yeah. some heroin. Um, and then all of a sudden, Hank is at the door. Yeah. And he says that Conley is asking for him to bring in Otis. Right. But Danvers is, again, she is a smart cop and she's 100%. She's got 10 toes down on this one. And yeah. she uh, realizes that something's not right. So... Yep. Hank comes out of the, out of the bathroom. He's high as the heavens. Yeah. And he's like, listen, I'm leaving. And so there's a little bit of argument yeah. there. Like, don't leave, leave, leave. No, yeah. don't say like what? And then Hank shoots him twice. Hank could have just let him go too. He was not dressed for the cold. Yes, exactly. And that storm was, is coming. Maybe that problem would have taken care of itself. And, um, a detail, another detail I missed, and I'm sorry, I missed this after, um, after Pete, Peter and Danvers get into it, or like she gives a good chiding to him. Yeah. Um, Peter uh, leaves his dad's and right. Danvers says, you can stay in my shed out back. Yeah. Um, you'll be warm enough just until they um, right yeah. off the storm, basically right, right. off the storm. You can be here. Um, and so he hears the gunshots. Right. And so he comes in the house. And mm-hmm. so we have, it's not really a, um, it's not really a Mexican standoff, right? right. The, the, the old, uh, we're good, the bad, the ugly. Yes. Where the three people are pointing guns at each other. Right. But it kind of is because, you know, uh, he's got his gun pointed at his dad. His dad's got the gun pointed at, um, Danvers. Danvers. And in that moment, what did you think was going to happen? In that moment, I, I, I didn't know. I, I thought they did a really good job with, with both the, the storytelling and the visual aspect of it. Um, that being said, I, I knew some shit was going to go down because as soon as uh, Otis went into the restroom, I, I wrote in my notes, it's Chekhov's gun on the table. You yeah. saw Jodie Foster's character take her gun, her holster, out mm-hmm. and put it on, uh, on the counter, I should say, not the table. So you yeah. knew something was going to go down. And then Hank showed up, and I thought that was really good storytelling as well. Um, but I didn't know what was going to happen in, in the midst of the uh, two and a half person showdown. What did you know what was going to happen? No, so I, I, so 
there isn't a lot of redemption in True Detective typically. Right. But this was an opportunity for Hank to get some uh, redemption, I thought. And I Mm -hmm. thought maybe because it was Peter, um, and and maybe Hank just, I mean, there was never an an ounce. I never thought that Hank was really going to shoot Danvers. Right. I never even even though he said stay there where you're at. I thought he was moving back to maybe shoot her or maybe sorry if I cut you off here, but I thought maybe he was going to try to stage something like take a few steps back and shoot her in the shoulder and make it look like uh, Otis did it. Yes. Yeah. That makes complete sense. I, I, but I never, I never thought he was going to kill. You never thought her life was in danger. No, no. And I, and I feel like Danvers, thought that too and Mm -hmm. she keeps that's why she keeps telling peter think about it think about it think about it think about what you're doing just think about what you're doing um but hank raises his gun and Mm -hmm. um peter kills his dad yeah um you know i think that this was actually handled pretty well Mm -hmm. it could have been really corny and really bad right but i felt like this was very believable yes because of the proximity to what had just happened between Hank and Peter. Right. If this, if you let a bunch of time elapse over that, then I maybe wouldn't have, but because it happened within hours of the situation, um, he already, he doesn't trust his dad now, which he was already, you know, leery of his dad because his dad had this, this, these case files, you know, was pissed at him for taking them and knew that there was corruption somewhere going on. And then you have him, at best, he yeah. thought his dad was a moron. At worst, he thought his dad right. was on the take some sort of way. Exactly. Yeah. And so, th- th- and then after seeing his dad has killed Otis, right? Right. He then knows like uh, this is a bad man. Yeah. And so, in the heat of the moment, I totally bought Peter doing that because Peter, I think, value. It seems that that character truly values. Um. I would, I would guess whatever his mother had instilled in him. Oh, sure. Yeah. Okay. And, um, his relationship with his dad was strained because he did not relate to his father. Right. Right. He may have been trying to get some sort of approval from his dad, Yeah. but he wanted to do it through becoming a better cop and achieving, um, maybe goals that his dad didn't achieve. Right. Yeah. Um, and instead, uh, he, then became attached to Navarro as not only a missing mother figure, but also this, um, this, uh, icon at work, right? This person, this, this, um, this model of, 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 um, what what was my mentor, this mentor, Mentor, yeah, a a model of professional, um, you know, decency and integrity. You want to follow. So I really bought this scene. Yeah, I I bought it. Absolutely. I didn't think this Um, show, I wrote in my notes. I did not think this particular, season of true detective had this gear until this particular scene. I think if you would have told me that this, this scene was going to happen after watching uh, the last couple episodes, I would have been like, they're not going to be able to pull this off. Yeah. Correct. They're just not sure. going to be able to do it. Yeah. And they did. Yeah, they did. Um, so I was pleasantly surprised. And then, so Navarro shows up um, just in time and basically is like, Oh shit. Right. Okay. Um, and she, both uh, um, Danvers is heartbroken. He, she doesn't really, I don't think she really cares that Hank is dead Yeah, as much as she's heartbroken for Peter sure. because she knows like this. And she even says, there's no like, turning back. Volunteer. Yes, there's no turning back. And when she, and when he like says like, I'm going to clean this up, yeah. she's like, this is your father. Like right. you, I like, regardless of how you feel, I know what you're, you're, you're in pain. Yeah. Um, uh, but they, have to follow through. And so yeah. he stays behind to clean up the mess and then presumably take the bodies and dump them. And Navarro and Danvers head to the uh, ice caves, the ice. Yeah. And in the midst of a storm, something you've seen, and I'm not dogging out uh, the show for runners for this. Cause you've seen it in a million different shows, but I actually thought it was kind of neat in a lot of shows, you know, this or a lot of our listeners know this. Storms are meant to cause, you know, be the backdrop yeah. for uh, ooh, something bad is coming. You know, the storm's brewing. And you see that so many times the traditional like storm in the Midwest, lightning and thunder. You don't see it in a blizzard very often. No. And that was right. that yeah. was I, I thought that was some good visual storytelling. 
Agreed. Yeah. And this episode did, like we mentioned, did a really great job visually. Um, uh, so I, I gave this episode eight out of 10. Yeah. I think this is the best episode so far. Um, and surprise, surprise. It's because, uh, this was full of plot and, sure. uh, and developments and, and storytelling. Right. <laughs> and, you know, and in those moments, we had character moments that mm-hmm. mattered. Um, something we haven't had since basically from episode one. Right. Um, so, I mean, again, I mentioned this earlier. Like, I just, I look at this season as a, like, man, what could have been. And, you know, maybe it does stick the landing. This is moving in the right direction. Yeah. Um, but I feel like, man, if we could have just gotten three episodes of some really nuanced character development storytelling with um you know evidence sprinkled in sure this could have this could have rivaled season one because the acting is all there the visuals are all there Mm -hmm. and the cast is is all there but um this i I, it made me hopeful sure for for the for for the finale i i agree with all of that um hopeful in the sense that we we haven't been probably since uh the beginning of the season um and, and maybe even before that quite honestly, maybe with just the trailers. Uh, but yeah, it's, I think it's the best season, or excuse me, best episode of this particular season so far. Uh, I would just like to add to that last scene. <laughs> it made me, for some reason, Barry popped into my head. And when the episode of Barry, like way back in the day, when Barry is telling Noho Hank, which is funny, the Hank crossover, I'm going to say, but Noho uh-huh. Hank, like, hey, you know, you could just kill them and take it all. He was, when he's talking about going 50 50 with Cristo ball. He's like, Oh, you can just kill them yeah. and take it all. That's what kind of popped in my head. I was like, like a, before um, Navarro knocked on the door in the last scene, I'm like, well, Peter should just waste, waste them all. Now he could, I mean, I'm kind of joking, but if, if he would have, yeah. if he would have killed Danvers there, he could have been the hero. He could have been the police chief and he could have gotten his family back. Of course that doesn't make uh, for a great story. And that wouldn't have been terribly anticlimactic, but there was a part of me like, just, just waste her, dude. Get your family back. You're, <laughs> really? You're, I, that's hilarious. <laughs> I never, that didn't even cross my mind. Wow. <laughs> Going dark. Yeah. Dude. yeah just, come on, get your family back. Do it. You're all, you already killed your dad and you know about corruption and, uh, you know, be the new Danvers. Wow. That would have been dark. I, <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know if I could have handled that. That would have been insane. And then he and Navarro uh, could have gone and, uh, you know, uh, to the ice yeah. caves. And then solve any K and then he's yeah. really, um, then it's a Greek tragedy. Wow. wow. And it's a great, tra- right. Yeah. He had to kill his father yeah. to become the man. That is interesting. <laughs> kind of tongue in cheek for the people listening, but kind of not that. I mean, there, that obviously that, that there, there is a story out there. It's somewhere in another galaxy. That story is how it's being told. Um, right. True Detective season four ends that way <laughs> in, some, in, an, in another timeline. Right. Um, what? So let's let's do a little speculation. Sure. What do you think happens in in the final episode? We we haven't done a ton of speculation, right. but like um, we this episode kind of well, not kind of, but it left the um, supernatural out completely. There's not a whole yeah. lot of that in this episode. Well, my speculation would be that uh, the supernatural has been let out because uh, it doesn't really exist too much. I'm not saying the native traditions of seeing ghosts isn't completely real um, or anything like that. But I I think there are a couple different maybe plots at play that are going to come in together. And Mm. I think I think here's here's my Super Bowl uh, bet before the game. Keep an eye on Blair. I'm not saying she's the murderer. We're going to see more of Blair and um, obviously Katie or not. What is it? Caitlin, uh, Catherine, Kate. Yeah. The, 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 the head of the mine. She, she was, Kate, work- it's Kate, oh, just Kate. Okay. She was working together. Um, she has, she has people in the community that are working for her. And um, Annie obviously stumbled into something she shouldn't have. And um the mind people are trying to cover that up. And at the same time, the justice that the town people are seeking, those two paths are going to cross somehow in the finale, I think. Okay. I agree with that. I agree. I agree with that. Uh, I think um, definitely agree 
with the with the Blair thing because we mentioned I think in episode there was a uh, episode three or something where uh, the camera stayed mm-hmm. on her for a long time and then you mentioned it I she has something either she is going to be uh, a key witness to something sure um and, and no evidence or um maybe she has a secret relationship with Clark right and she knows where he's at so, so she has the keys to something Clark's in um, the ice cave and the ice cave's nicer than we think right. That's would be my guess as well too. Um, there, it's the it's it's not yeah. It's something. There's a reason that it's it's closed, and there's a reason he's there. Mm-hmm. I would say like, and this is my prediction for like what is going on. I think that the something they released, like we mentioned this a couple episodes ago, they they released some kind of, of microorganism, mm-hmm. sure, some type of virus that causes, um. It causes visions and hallucinations yeah, sure. and a byproduct uh, of the black water. Yes. A byproduct of the black water and that the, um, the injuries that we see to these people are either self-inflicted or caused by the disease itself. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think that Clark may have hurt Annie, but it wasn't out of maliciousness. Right. I think we may see it, it might've been out of whatever's, poisoned he was exposed to high levels of whatever the poison is um that that's that's my prediction yeah um i'm i i I don't know that there's anything supernatural in terms of like uh um, a a a spirit or demon or anything correct Um, you know i think we may see the visions help lead navarro to solve certain Mm -hmm. aspects of that and i'm okay with it if it's done the right way Similarly to how Fiona Shaw found the, the men in the ice. Right. With. Yeah. Um, I think that we, in my opinion, this would make a, a good arc for Navarro is that um, her embracing this side of her mental illness mm-hmm. rather than uh, it being a hindrance, it sure. being a help. And so that we see that, you know, that these visions are maybe not real, but they're real to her and sure. they help her solve this case if that makes sense absolutely i love that and uh, i'm glad you you went there because i just like to add that uh at the last scene um well actually two scenes in in this particular episode one when navarro was with nat kavik and then the very mm-hmm. last scene at danver's house navarro's hair is down and i've yeah. seen that a lot of the season and she looks like julie so i think maybe uh, she right. is embracing a little bit of um for lack of a better word, her, her nativeness, her, uh, mm-hmm. her family history or family DNA and that mental illness. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I did notice that, but I didn't think about it until you just said that. Uh, I, I could be on board for that. Yeah. Um, either way it's, I, I, I'm, I'm glad we didn't have to skip a week. Um, yeah. I'm glad that they dropped it on Friday. I think it's much smarter than skipping a week and losing momentum. Like you mentioned last week. Right. And especially with the quality that, of this episode. Yes, exactly. Right. hundred percent. And uh, I'm excited for next week. I'm I am excited too. for Sunday. Um, yeah, it's going to be, I think, I, from everything that we've heard from critics, it seems like they stick the landing. So I'm awesome. excited. All right, um, Aaron, let us know where we can find more of your work on the internet. Great. Yeah. Uh, come visit me at Suburban uh, dadpop.blog. I'm going to try to, my New Year's resolution is to write more. So I'm definitely going to write about, uh, the season finale and, and the sh- my thoughts on uh, true detective as a whole. So that'll probably be out the last week of February. So come see me at suburban dad And you can always find me at midnight film review on Instagram and cult of pop on TikTok. I recently, um, and I, I I'm, I'm interested in, in hearing your thoughts about this. I recently started to, um, in my spare time rewatch, uh, all of Joss Whedon's shows. So nice. I've, I, 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 I've watched Buffy many times. Kind yeah. of like we talked about this. It's Buffy's is your show. Sopranos. Yes. Um. But I, you know, he's got a lot of shows that are one and dones, right? Mm-hmm. So, or short lived. They, they were, they just weren't given enough time. Like Firefly is one of the right. most epic ones because it had one great season and it was so good. They got a movie, but it got canceled. Yeah. Uh, there's another show called Dollhouse, which um I've seen before. Uh, I think it had uh, all kinds of potential, yeah. but again, it was on Fox and it was canceled, but I, you know, as big of a fan of Buffy as I have been, I've never watched angel. 
the spinoff. Okay. That surprises um, me. Yeah. And I've never seen it. So yeah. I started watching it uh, probably two weeks ago. Uh-huh. Um, almost done through the first season. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I just, uh, not a big David Boreas fan. Uh, okay. just put that off the jump. Um, we'll see. We'll see how, how it goes. Um, right. Uh, I'm, I'm going to, wa- I'm going to watch all five seasons. It's going to take me a while. There's 22 episodes. That's the other thing is there's 22 episodes in every season. That's crazy. That that's how TV once was. <laughs> that's how TV once was. You say once was, I mean, it was that way for 50 years. Yes. Right. Yeah. Long time. Yeah. That was a formula um, forever. Yeah. So yeah. Um, um, think about me, pray for me, whatever <laughs> you do. Stuck, uh, stick into it. Yeah. Um, so I may write something. Um, I, I, I'm really, I have, I've been saying I'm going to write something for a long time. You have. I, I've got, I've got the itch. Um, and, uh, I may write something about Whedon and the Whedon verse. Um, because listen, sure. I, I'm going off the rails a little bit here uh, and we should be ending the show soon, but like, I understand he's a jerk. I understand that Joss Whedon was a, is not a good person. And there's a reason that he, uh, is, cast out from Hollywood, which right. is a very hard thing to do in today's sure. Hollywood. Uh, but the dude, uh, was talented and he hired talented people. And, yeah. um, there's a lot of people around these shows. Shout out to Marty Dixon Dixon. She's fantastic. Um, and she, you know, she's a, a great writer and director. Um, Drew Goddard came from, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, there's a lot of talented people beside Joss Whedon um, right. that are attached to these shows. So, Got to remember, it's not just him. It's there's other people that, uh, sure, that, that, that did these things too. So, um, sorry, get off my soapbox. All good. So, anyways, be looking for that. I've been doing. Uh, so I did. Uh, I'll be doing TikToks on on these series too, very as cool. well. So, um, that's gonna do it for this episode of Midnight Film Review. We will catch you on the flip side.